It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, welcome. It's very cool to have you tuning in. I'm Chloe, uh, the host, as you probably know by now, I've listened to a few, and it's very cool to have so many of you out there listening. A big hello today to you if you are from Denmark. We have a, rather a lot of people from Denmark appearing to be listening to the podcast at the moment, so it's great to have you with us. Uh, very cool to have you guys out there listening. And Keep listening because uh, later this year, we've got our first ever Danish guest on the show. In today's episode, we are talking about making those huge decisions about your business, the ones you have to make to make sure you're going to continue growing and working in years to come. And we're going to be talking about how you make the decisions about things you might want to be taking into account right now in terms of your future growth plans for the business, including, of course, sustainability, what that means, how we do it, and so forth. It's a really fascinating chat, this one. I know I say that a lot, but this one really is. Um, Not the other ones aren't, but this one really is. Uh, So I think you're going to enjoy it. Before we get into that, though, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform used by more than 30,000 e-commerce brands globally. In uncertain times, supporting your community and fostering relationships by being open and empathic is a strategy that will be appreciated and remembered far beyond today. One of the best channels to deliver these communications through is, and always will be, email. Email marketing is one of Klaviyo's foundational offerings, and when you leverage personalization driven by customer insight, you will create memorable marketing moments that cultivate lifelong relationships. Klaviyo truly understands how challenging it is for each and every business right now. Klaviyo is here to help brands communicate, engage, and foster relationships now and when all of this is just a distant memory. Visit klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. With SEMPRO Online from Pitney Bowes, you can simply print postage stamps and shipping labels even when working remotely. For as low as $4.99 a month, you'll get access to special discounts and save up to 40% off USPS Priority Mail. Plus, for being an e-commerce master plan listener, you'll receive a free 30-day trial to get started and a free £10 scale to ensure that you never overpay. That includes being able to schedule package pickups and track shipments from departure to arrival. Go to pb.com forward slash masterplan to access this special offer for a free 30-day trial plus a free £10 scale to get started. That's pb.com slash m-a-s-t-e-r-p-l-a-n to experience savings in your shipping costs with a free trial of SEMPRO Online from Pitney Bowes. And now to introduce today's special guest. Mark Kohlenberg is the CEO and founder of Moral Code, a D2C brand selling premium men's leather footwear and accessories. They launched in 2017 and are now fast approaching $5 million per year in sales. Hello, Mark. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm... I've, the intro I've just given to the listeners is literally just about moral code, but you've got a history with shoes and e-commerce that goes back quite a lot further than 2017. So could you let us all know how you got, got involved in e-commerce in the first place, please? 
Yeah. Truthfully, I got involved in e-commerce before e-commerce existed. Uh, <laughs> so when it was only bricks and mortar and wholesale, but I have a long history in, in footwear and accessories. I spent about 15 years in a joint venture with Allen Edmonds, which is one of the leading men's uh, footwear companies in the United States, footwear brands. Um, I went off on my own uh, for about five or six years with a group of investors and launched a brand of my own in the uh, early 2000s. And then we sold that brand to the Waco Group, uh, which are the owners of the Florsheim brand, Nunbush, Stacey Adams, Boggs, several other brands in the United States, really focusing on kind of the mid-tier men's footwear market. Um, I, and they brought me on uh, for about five or six additional years to run those brands for them. And I got bored again. And I, I left about three years ago um, for uh, another go at it, and this time exclusively in e-com, uh, which is really uh, our parent company now is called WDM Footwear. That stands for Well-Dressed Men Footwear. Uh, and we have uh, an e-com brand called Moral Code, and we're going to be launching a new e-com brand in uh, a couple of months. Oh, exciting. And having, I always think shoes is one of the most difficult fashion products to do online. So so when you say it's an exclusively online only brand, what, what made you decide that that was the right way to go with all the kind of the customer service issues that presents? Well, you're 100% correct. Shoes are probably one of the most challenging things um, that you could sell in terms of a product in an e-commerce environment, just because of the matrix of different styles, different colorways, different sizes, and, and there's a strong fit component involved. You know, when when a consumer buys a widget from somewhere else that's that's not sized or, or may not come in different color variations, um, you know, a, a return is is fairly straightforward if they don't like the product or can't use the product. But in footwear, um, the concept of fit is very subjective. You know, somebody can say something doesn't fit, and, and the next person can say it fits perfectly, and there's really no way of knowing. So, um, return rates in footwear can be quite high compared to other consumer goods, and um, it's you. You really have to know what you're doing or you can get in trouble pretty quickly. Yeah, because you've not gone for um, an easy product to sell without the fit. You know, it, we're not talking flip-flops here, are we? It, these are these are shoes that have to fit right. Yeah, we're, we're talking nice men's footwear. And, uh, and, and you know, we, we also have a very strong um, bespoke leather accessory business, um, which, frankly, I prefer much more so than the footwear side of it <laughs> for precisely what we were just talking about. It, you know, at the end of the day, there's no sizes. There's very few uh, color variations. And for the most part, once people buy an accessory, it stays with them and we don't get to return back. Yeah, because returns um, are challenging, aren't they? They're, they're an, uh, an annoying line on the P&L. Yeah. And, and, you know, with with footwear in particular, once somebody wears that product, it's, it's not like a piece of apparel that you, you, you wear it, you refold it, you send it back with all the packaging, but you, you really have to be quite careful with footwear because if somebody wears it uh, for an extended period of time and, you know, they're not standing on a piece of carpeting or a rug or something and the bottom is, is, is blemished, you know, suddenly you have something that, you know, basically is unsaleable and you have to eat that entire cost. And, you know, it, it, it would cost too much to recondition the product and resell it. I'm, I'm trying to encourage others from staying out of this category. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the subtle ploy. Keep the competitors out of the way. Um, all right, Mark, we, we've covered a couple of the basics of the business, but where are you based and where do you sell to? 
We are based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, which is literally in the center of the United States, uh, quite close to Chicago, uh, which is a great place, you know, simply from a distribution standpoint, you know, kind of in the middle of the country, equal distance to the East Coast and the West Coast. Um, and there's a pretty strong infrastructure in the Midwest of great work ethic and uh, good transportation and a good talent pool for us as well. What more do you need other than great logistics and great people? Absolutely. Good and, and a low cost of living, which really helps to recruit too. Oh, nice. Very nice. And um, do you sell across the states and beyond or is it purely we North America? Um, we, we, right now we sell exclusively in the US and Canada. Um, we do have a branch uh, of our business for Moral Code, which is our, our main direct-to-consumer brand um, that uh, has already launched in Japan right now. And that's through our parent company. Um, but the product is available in Japan as well. And uh, we hope to expand quite quickly, uh, honestly, to mainland Europe and the UK. Very cool. And um, what platform do you run all this through? Have you gone Shopify, Magento, something bespoke or something else? Um, you know, we're, we're in transition mode uh, right now. Actually, in a moral code, we launched the brand about two and a half years ago. Um, and it, it's a it basically it's a custom website. So um, the market ironically, in the last two years, has almost changed 180 degrees. You know, we when we launched our brand, it was, you know, really the targeting that we um, had defined and the purpose of the brand was a, a, a lower cost competitor, some of the leading dress shoe brands for men in the United States, such, such as Allen Edmonds or Colhan or Alden, some of these very traditional brands, but at a fraction of the price because we're vertically integrated. We're totally 100% uh, owned by the factory that manufactures the shoes. And we really can offer a pretty compelling product at a great price in the market. Um, but within the last uh, 24 months, the market has changed overnight. You know, men aren't wearing dress shoes anymore. I mean, I'm in New York today and, you know, even the, even the guys on Wall Street um, are, are dressing casual. And that's really turned the men's, not only the dress shoe market, but the men's apparel market, suits and ties and, you know, typical business wear on its heels. So we've had to adapt pretty quickly. And, and we're literally in the process as we speak of um, a brand pivot, a pretty big pivot, in fact. So uh, come August 1st, which is our target date, we hope to relaunch the brand with a very different look and feel of the product, um, the branding, um, and a strong degree of sustainability as well, you know, kind of into our brand promise. But um, we'll be launching, um, you know, with, with a new platform as yet, I would say TBD. Uh, it's not going to be Shopify, and, and we're trying to stay away from the custom side again, but, you know, just make some minor adjustments to an existing platform that's out there. Wow. Busy, a busy few months ahead. Yeah, it, it's been crazy busy, but um, we're doing a, a lot of really exciting things. You know, I'm, I'm actually in New York, um, you know, reviewing some first prototypes of product uh, after I'm done with this. And, um, you know, we're excited to get moving, but it'll it'll be an entirely new website um, and, you know, entirely new content and an entirely new product range. Literally, the only thing that we'll be keeping is the brand name, which um when we when we launch this brand, you know, it's the most common question I get asked 
you know, when I'm on a plane or, or meeting somebody new for the first time, you know, what's, what's the deal with the name? You know, because most often uh, D2C brands in the e-com you know, space, you know, either are a designer's name or, you know, have something that leads you to believe they're from Italy or Spain or Portugal. Um, and we have this very unusual name called Moral Code, uh, which on- honestly has nothing to do with our president right now, um, but or, or lack thereof. But um, but we we've since learned um, that we really have an enormously powerful brand name that we've done very little to exploit um, or frankly to leverage. So um, that's going to be a big part of what we're doing and in, in really playing off our brand name um, that we now see as an enormous asset that we just haven't tapped into yet. I guess, you know, the way you explain it, so much has happened in the last kind of 24 months or so to really... Like 24 years though, doesn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, because, you know, you have now got that increased focus on ethics and morality. Yeah. So, so I guess the reason that sustainability is part of the new iteration is is partly due down to the name. You couldn't relaunch as Moral Code without a sustainability element. Yeah, and and you know I'm sure you've seen it as well. But sustainability is the biggest buzzword right now in in all aspects of fashion, apparel, accessories, footwear, you name it. And you know there's no there's no rule book, so it's kind of the wild west of sustainability. And you get different brands making different claims, and there's no judge and jury to speak to the legitimacy of those claims or, or even if they're relevant. Um, you know, one of, one of my pet peeves personally is the whole, the whole word vegan leather. Um, so, um, and, and I hear it pretty often and I just say to people, there is no such thing as vegan leather. It's plastic, which is literally what it is. And it, you know, you, you may not be, um, you know, killing cows to, uh, make a product, but at the end of the day, that vegan leather is going to sit in a landfill for hundreds and hundreds of years, much longer than something of a natural material such as leather. So, so what we hope to do, um, you know, footwear is, you know, when you talk about sustainability, footwear is a really challenging and difficult product to be sustainable in a, in a given pair of shoes with any brand, you know, whether it's athletic footwear, dress footwear, there may be, you know, there, there may be 80 or 90 different components from different suppliers that all kind of feed into that finished product. And it's virtually impossible to guarantee, you know, full sustainability um, with all of those things. So, you know, what we want to do is just be very honest and open and transparent um, with as much as we can do, but also letting people know what we can't do as well and then have them make their own decision. Yeah, it, it's um, it is a bit like the wild west at the moment. The whole world of sustainability. I drove past a, a petrol station yesterday, or a gas station for our American listeners, um, who who had a sign outside saying "Drive CO two neutral." If you sign up to our scheme, we'll plant some trees for you. And it's like, well, it's kind of. I mean, great, some more trees are going to be planted, but it's kind of missing the point. I feel <laughs> exactly, exactly. You shouldn't be driving at all or driving an electric. Well, yeah, exactly. Let's not get into that one as well today. Um, so how did you, you know, cause it sounds like in, over the next couple of months, you are basically, or well, as you said, you're, everything is changing apart from the name. Yeah. That's, that's one serious roll of the dice to make for a company where things are not going badly with what you've currently got. What made you decide to do it? And the re- reason I'm, to give you a bit of background, the reason I'm asking the question is because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there who are tempted to make big changes in their business, but they can't decide whether it's the right decision or the wrong decision. So it'd be really interesting to hear how you came to the decision of 
yeah, we're we're chucking it all out and going back to zero, back to kind of ground zero, blank sheet of paper. Yeah, it. it, it I guess number one, it it was not an easy decision, and it was not a quick decision. We we literally started these internal discussions uh, eleven months ago, twelve months ago. So it's almost been a year. Um, and it, you know, in in any sort of consumer product business, particularly the fashion business. Um, you're, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. You know, there's new competitors coming into the space every day. We're very cognizant of that. And the market ages downward every day as well. So, um, you know, we want to be relevant to today's consumer and, you know, what do we need to do to get there? And we weren't satisfied. Um, you know, frankly, we weren't satisfied with the growth prospects, um, that were sitting in front of us. Um, if we kept the model um, existing, you know, with with basically a, a, a collection of, of men's dress shoes. You know, I'll, I'll just give you one example alone. You know, right now, will, obviously, 50 percent of the market are women. Um, and we're currently, aside from a few accessories, not selling anything to women. But 33 percent of all visitors to our website are women. So we're we're they're, they're either buying for for a spouse or a boyfriend or, or you know, wh- whatever. But for the most part, we have nothing to offer those 33 percent of the of the visitors coming to our website so we're not serving them well um, and we're ignoring you know a facet of the market that is coming to us ready to buy something so um, just enabling um, our customers to purchase products for themselves regardless of gender and and we're even we will be introducing some gender neutral product in the footwear side of things as well that um, can be either worn you know by by a man or a woman or you know however someone happens to identify which is fine so you know it's it, you really have to you know in this business just be constantly aware of what's happening around you um, competitors trends what's going on in apparel um, what's going on politically you know what are people wearing on the street so um, you know we, we did some deep soul searching we tried a number of different things we and, and I'll, I'll be very frank with you. I haven't really told this to anyone publicly, but we we debated, could we internally, could we create a 100% compostable shoe? You know, literally something that you toss into a landfill and, you know, over whatever period of time, you know, it, it becomes soil. But, you know, we tried and tried and tried. But, you know, getting back to the, you know, 70 or 80 different components that goes into footwear, the fact is we couldn't control all aspects of that. So, we took a more measured approach and really decided to do, you know, what we could do. Um, we just didn't want to overextend ourselves and um, make it make a commitment that we couldn't fulfill. I find it interesting. You know, you said about the compostability of the shoe, and we said about the vegan element of the shoe. I think that that just speaks to the the challenge of making something sustainable because which. Actually, you can't pick only one of them because if you make something that's completely compostable, but actually the energy it takes to create it is insane, then what was the point? So it's this constant balancing act, isn't it? Which, which is a um, is a challenging thing to go through. But you you said a phrase there, which I just wanted to get clarification on what it meant, which was ages downward. Yes. What does that mean? You know, right now we're really you know our target market is a guy between you know I would say roughly thirty and fifty years old. But but the reality is the people that are really driving the market, driving the driving the eyes on product and the eyes on brands are are people in their late teens and early twenties. So you know those are the ones that are really 
um, establishing the dialogue with, you know, sustainability and, uh, you know, just brand, brands that just, you know, have their heads screwed on right. And, you know, again, in, in today's political environment, and, and I don't care if you're in the UK, you certainly have some <laughs> similar issues in the UK as we do in the US, but you, you really start questioning everything right now. And I think, you know, today's consumers, men and women in their late teens and through their 20s, frankly, are asking really important questions about the products they buy and the brands they buy and the decisions they make. And we can't keep our head in the sand anymore and just just expect to put a product out there and people will buy it. It has to mean something more. Going back to the the, the decision-making process to make this big step change in the business, I'm guessing that, or I'm, I'm thinking we, we've discussed thus far, is that it was really about looking at where sales in the future, like two years, three years, four years time are going to be. And if you had a product and a brand that would fit with that. And well, actually, there's some really massive opportunities for growth that we're completely missing and where our product is going to be completely irrelevant. Therefore, we have to roll the dice. Yeah. In, in, at the end of the day, um, the casual work trend um, is not going away anytime soon. So, you know, it became evident to us that, you know, we, we could be a viable brand, you know, with the existing product line and um, the existing brand architecture that we have and just continue with, you know, continue with business as usual. But the brand was very limiting. You know, we weren't selling to women. 33% of the traffic to our site were women buying for their significant other or their husband. Um, we literally had nothing to offer them, for, you know, except for a handful full of leather accessories. So, you know, the, the new version of moral code when it launches will be product will be assorted equally for men and women. Accessories will be equally assorted. We'll have gender neutral footwear and accessories there as well. But, um, and I think more moderate price points and generally, uh, an enormous, more casual product. So if you, you know, I, the best thing I can tell you is if you think of of, of an upgraded leather version of Tom's, that's kind of the aesthetic for the the product moving forward. Now it's much more likely to appeal to the masses. Yeah, and and, and a younger customer too. Hmm. And you mentioned earlier on that you are owned by the manufacturer, which I would assume causes some additional challenges to changing tack because they have to be able to manufacture whatever it is you're changing tack to. They do. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example. We, we, and in addition to, you know, we, 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 we have a lot on our plate, but in addition to our branded businesses, we also do some private label work for other brands all over the world. Um, and our expertise is really manufacturing, I would say, mid to better grade footwear and accessories. Um, we're not competitive at the low end of the market. We had one of our existing private label customers a few months ago come to us with a, uh, a less expensive non-leather uh, accessory that they wanted us to make because we're making all their leather accessories. And, you know, at the end of the day, we had to say no, just because we don't have the, the we, we don't have the labor cost to do it. And and frankly, with um, all of the certifications that we hold and maintain, and we go through continual factory audits to, to maintain uh, safety practices with our workforce, environmental practices, sustainability practices with everything, all those things come at a cost. Um, and, and it's an important cost, but it, it, it really... Um, it, it forces us to focus on on better grade products and and not just making the cheapest products out there in either footwear and accessories that that many people would like us to make. 
So I guess that may have helped with the decision-making process a little bit because you you can't suddenly go to the bottom of the market because you don't have the ability to manufacture. So so part of it was we have to stick with this level of target customer price point wise. We do absolutely, and and that that's really our sweet spot. And and you know again we're we're you know sometimes you know people describe the middle as a as a very uncomfortable place. They say you either have to be the cheapest or you have to be the most expensive. And and quite honestly, we are in the middle. You know we're when you look at many of the bespoke UK brands, you know we're probably half the price of them for a comparable product. Um, but that middle for us is our white space. It's our sweet spot, and and we do. Think think there's enormous opportunity there but we're never going to be the lowest cost out there. And with the with the new revamped moral code later this year is it still going to be exclusively e-commerce or is there I know pop-ups or physical presence coming along down the line. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say never. Um, it, <laughs> it's something that um, you know pops into our head quite often. You know, the, again, kind of just laying our cards on the table. And I really haven't said this to anybody on the outside, but the the challenge with any e-com brand direct to consumer is is pricing, because if you do want to eventually open it up to a wholesale audience or distribute it at a department store, other retailers, you have to really build margin in to sustain that from the beginning because that department store is going to be looking for a, a minimum of an absolute minimum of doubling the price or a 50% markup as we would call it in the US. Um, and you know if, if you add that in from the get-go, you're not going to be competitively priced as a, a strict e-com brand on your own. So um, there's arguments on both sides. Um, we certainly would consider it moving forward. But as I mentioned, we're launching another second uh, D2C e-com brand in a couple of months. And uh, we, we also think even for that brand, there may be opportunities for um, a brick and mortar presence moving forward. Probably from what you're saying, a going into department stores and other retailers rather than necessarily a moral code or the new brand physical shop. Just opportunistically, we opened a brick and mortar retail store in um, our hometown of, of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, about four months ago. Um, and, and it's really just an experiment just to see, um, number one, could we do it, what the results would be, what the merchandising would look like. We named the store Milwaukee Boot Company, which is the name of our new e-com brand that we're going to be uh, going live with. Uh, approximately on May 1st. And that, um, it, it really, you know, as a an e-com only brand, it's always challenging because you're always an arm's length away from the consumer. You know, email is great, phone calls are great, but you never see that visceral reaction of a consumer, like trying on your product, experiencing it for the first time, commenting good or bad, you know, about the product. So by having a, at least a limited retail presence, you really have an opportunity to, you know, kind of see the look and feel of the product in the eyes of the consumer. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. How are the leading D2C brands growing their businesses? They're using Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform chosen by over 30,000 global innovative online brands. Klaviyo believes in supporting growth, which is why they won't tie you into lengthy contracts, hidden setup or support fees, or feature-based pricing. With a platform that's both powerful and easy to use, it's no surprise so many brands have switched to Klaviyo. Looking for one more compelling reason? Brands switching to Klaviyo see an average of 62 times ROI on their investment. Ready to learn more? 
visit klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash masterplan. With SEMPRO Online from Pitney Bowes, you can simply print postage stamps and shipping labels, even when working remotely. For as low as $4.99 a month, you'll get access to special discounts and save up to 40% off USPS Priority Mail. Plus, for being an e-commerce master plan listener, you'll receive a free 30-day trial to get started and a free £10 scale to ensure that you never overpay. So you can calculate the exact postage online, print from your PC and avoid trips to the post office. Go to pb.com forward slash masterplan to access this special offer for a free 30-day trial plus a free £10 scale to get started. That's pb.com slash m-a-s-t-e-r-p-l-a-n to experience savings in your shipping costs with a free trial of SEMPRO Online from Pitney Bowes. It's time for the Top Tips Round. I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our business to the next level. So, Mark, are you ready for the top tips? I guess so. Cool. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? A a good friend of mine from really early in my life just wrote a book, and his name is Harvey Cantor. Um, And his book is called Choosing to Lead, Being Comfortable, Being Uncomfortable. And I thought it was brilliant. Um, it, It really just talks about pushing yourself internally to get out of your comfort zone and just... I, I do it every day. You know, I have to sell my product. I'm not a I'm not a born salesman. I'm actually a pretty shy person. But at the end of the day, you just got to do what you got to do. So, I, I tell my adult children I'm uncomfortable 24 hours a day, and that's just what you got to do. So, I, I think it's a great read. It's an easy read, and and I think Harvey, you know, for, really for any business person, um, it, it's just good, good practical advice. God, I'm loving the personal connection there yeah. as well. Uh, the traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I, you know, honestly, for me, it, and this may be unusual, it's PR. Um, we have invested a great deal of time and money and, and effort into PR, and it's been extraordinary for us. Um, and I'll give you an example. Um, we had a hit uh, last summer. Uh, on Business Insider, um, which is just a great daily, you know, newsletter, news blog in the U.S., um, and we're still, still today, getting enormous traffic from that. And it, I think, it just shows the power of PR, the power of a third party talking about your brand or your product, and it's still paying dividends today. Okay, and the tool top tip: maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Um, you know, we have a, a marketing dashboard that focuses on our specific KPIs. Um, it's a Google Data Studio report. We update it daily. It helps our team, you know, really make data-driven decisions. You know, we can quickly see what marketing tactics are working, what's not working. And then immediately adjust our campaigns, you know, quickly, you know, in response to it. You know, I I will freely admit this. It's only this year I have come across Google Data Studio. And really? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how I missed it, but I became I've become somewhat obsessed, as I'm sure anyone who likes stats can understand, because it's just so powerful. It saves so much time with reporting, and I think 
listeners correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think, Mark, you're the first person to recommend it on the podcast as well, which listeners, I can see Mark's face here. He yeah. is flabbergasted by yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Full yeah. on yeah. shock going on there. We use it every single day. It's just so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Agree. Anyway, there you go, guys. There's there's the rest of your day sort of go and play with the Google Data Studio. Um, Mark, the finally final top tip, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? There's not a lack of product out there and there's not a lack of brands out there. So no, nobody has ever knocked on my door saying, you know what, I can't find any shoes to buy. So to me, you know, what I tell people, you know, when, when people come to me and ask this, that same question is be honest, be original, um, distill the why with your product, regardless of what it happens to be. But you really have to um, separate yourselves from that competitive pack. Um, an old ad agency that I used to work where work with, you know, once used the 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 adage "zig where others zag," and and all that means is, you know, if everybody else is following, you know, one idea or one concept or one area, just go in the opposite direction, separate yourselves, and and I think particularly in a very crowded ecom arena, um, that's that's a great method for differentiation and success. Oh, more good advice. Mark, it's been great chatting to you today. You shed so much. Um, before we say goodbye, could you let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Yeah. Um, our, our our first direct-to-consumer brand is um, moralcode.com. And our upcoming e-com brand is Milwaukee, uh, which is M-I-L-W-A-U-K-E-E, Boot Company. Com, and that'll be going live for Ecom approximately May 1st. Wow. So this um, episode will probably be out by the time that site's live. So guys, you can go and check out both of them. And uh, and I will be on tenterhooks to see what the new moral code looks like when we get to August as well. Um, it's an exciting year ahead, Mark. I wish you all the best for it. And, um, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. How fascinating to get to talk to someone who, as a company, have made such a huge decision, basically to throw out everything but the product category and the name, uh, and who are embarking on such a big project. You know, to get to grips with why they're doing it, what they're doing, and how they're looking to take advantage of current consumer trends to create a bigger, better business. Um, really fascinating. I will certainly be tuned in, looking for what the new sites look like over the coming months. If you want to get your hands on the notes from today's show, including those top tips, links, and details of related episodes, then do head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find out everything about the show in general and a link to the page of details about this particular episode and all the rest of the episodes. If you're enjoying the e-commerce masterplan podcast, please do share it with your e-commerce friends, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, anywhere you want to share it. I'm happy for you to do so because the more people we can get listening, the more people we can help to improve their e-commerce businesses too. I hope you have a great week and keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce masterplan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.